Hi there, and thanks for checking out this bonus episode of M4 Edge, the podcast about startups with technologies that can change how the economy functions. I'm Michael Leifman, and together with my co-host Marco Nunziata, we've been talking to startup founders and CEOs for about three years now. We've aired about 50 shows, and as our regular listeners know, we end most of our shows with a chance for our interviewees to wax philosophic about the future. Usually, the question is something along the lines of, tell us what your industry looks like in 20 years. We've had some great answers. As a holiday gift to our listeners, we decided to compile some of our favorites. It's hard to call this a best of, since many that we left out were terrific too. But the answers that made this set were either a bit more thought-provoking or a bit more entertaining than the average. We kick it off with our very first guest, Greg Mulholland of Citrine Informatics. Enjoy the future, and as always, thanks for being curious. The reason the ages have been named for the materials is because the materials enabled massive societal breakthroughs. I mean, you know, we look very different now because we had silicon and because we figured out how to make a, a transistor. Um, so if, if I look out 15, 20, 50 years, um, you know, what I see is a world that is very highly customized, very highly tailored, where we're using things incredibly efficiently because we know exactly how to use them. And so the funny thing is, I actually think, I'm sure that the next age will be named by material, but I actually think we'll characterize the next age is that no one material is truly dominant, that we're using the right tool for the right job. And that's, you know, my, my, in my resource efficiency heart, what I really hope for. But, you know, I, I think there, there are materials breakthroughs around the corner that will, that will steal the show and will, will uh, lend names to an age. You know, I think there's obviously superconductors are an area of intensive research that could lead us to all kinds of cool transportation and, and energy efficiency places, um, energy storage technologies, um, space travel. There's all kinds of cool stuff we're going to do. But if I'm to be honest, you know, it's not that everybody is getting their bronze and is now able to hunt better than they once were, or everybody's getting their iron and is now able to industrialize in new ways. It is that everybody is getting the tools they need in the most efficient way possible because of the technologies like the ones we're working on that can adaptively select materials, use resources efficiently, and help identify what to use best uh, and design the right product for the right people. Next up is from an episode we released in April of 2019, Blake Teipel from Essentium, an industrial 3D printing company. You know, I, I think there's no question that um, as, machine gets, as machines get smarter and use things like blockchain, Michael, um, that we'll oh, see... Oh, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, to be serious for a minute, I think there's no question that we're going to see increased automation. Um, Machines are getting smarter and they're getting easier to program. But, but with increased automation, you still need to have a human touch. You know, the robots of tomorrow are not going to be um, so dangerous as the robots are today. Like if that robot arm swings around and it hits a human, the, robot's gonna, the robot arm's going to stop as they continue to plow through the human and, and hurt the human, right? So, um, so I think there's going to be a reskilling phenomenon that's going to happen there. Um, you know, I think also what we see now is is one of the cool things about 3D printing is it's so visual, so it captivates the uh, you know the attention and the imagination of, of of a whole new generation. I think of young of young people who, if they can see something being built and if it's built in a clean way and if it's built using digital tools, then golly, that's exciting. These young kids become captivated and they want to be builders again. So, 
the factors of the future, I think, I hope, let me just put it this way, I hope the factors of the future use digital tools in a way where young people today in, you know, very well-educated countries like Germany and the United States and the United Kingdom and China increasingly, that those young people want to be part of that creative process and that we can bring the supply chain close enough to where they can build some stuff in its final form and they can be part of that. I think, you know, I think that we're going to see a, a huge degree of, of, of sort of, you know, awakening of, of wanting to be part of the creative process. At least I hope we do. But there's no doubt automation is here to stay um, and, and automation will continue to drive down labor costs, but people will become more educated as a result. They'll become educated in different things because they have to. If you're not educated, you simply will have a hard time. And I think, you know, more people are becoming educated. You see that the education rates, the literacy rates, they're going up and that's good. They have a long way to go to get where we want to be. But um, I'm excited about the future. I think the future is bright. Next up, is from a recent episode, September of 2021, Dror Tamir of Hargol Food Tech, an Israel-based alternative protein company. We will be eating all that and much more. First, I believe that we will still be eating cows and chickens and the things that we eat today. That will still be part of the global nutrition. But we will see the new protein alternatives and new uh, food alternatives coming and taking a bigger portion of our plates. So it will take time, uh, it will take some time, but it will not only be a different source of food, but it will be also a different way of buying it. The entire um, um, logistic chain will change. Uh, some of the food will even grow in our house, uh, in our kitchens, and we will be able just to press buttons and receive the food that we are looking for. So things will be a little bit different, but probably not as different as we saw on uh, Back to the Future. <laughs> Marco is, is a huge sci-fi fan, so I thought you were going to get him with the pushing the buttons. And I, I, my mind originally, of course, went to the, uh, the, the Star Trek stuff, but um, Back to the Future wasn't what I was expecting, so a nice touch there. <laughs> <laughs> it's also one area where I will be a contrarian and push against you, Drew. 20 years from now, I will still be eating pasta and some tomatoes from my garden. That's, that's, that's back, back to the future. It. it was a pizza. It's for you, Marco. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Next is Sandeep Ahuja of CoveTool, a modeling application for sustainable building design. One of two back-to-back episodes we did in the summer of 2020 on construction decarbonization. One thing that we have to understand is this will absolutely need to happen for a viable for a viable world is that every single building, just like, you know, in, on cereal boxes, we have a nutrition label behind it to tell us exactly what's gone into the building, how good or bad it is, how many calories you're eating. This will need to happen for every single building. This absolutely has to happen. And this, the building nutrition label would read things like how much energy is it using? How much carbon is it using? How much daylight is it using? What kind of glare does it have? And that is how every single decision will be made. And that's, that's the world that I know will happen for there to be a viable world. So I hate to put grim, grim thing, like grim thoughts into people's mind, but that is 100% the reality. Next, we go back a bit farther to February of 2020, when we spoke to Hunter McDaniel of Ubiquity, which uses quantum dots for use in window tinting, in dyes, 
and in agricultural applications as a way to lower energy use. The next major technology advancements in society are going to be ultimately driven by materials. And one of the, the key you know, frontiers is around nanomaterials. I, do, I am very passionate about uh, what nanomaterials can do for society and, and what they'll enable. And, and energy is just where you know, I'm, I'm personally passionate about. So my perspective is that advanced materials are going to ultimately bring the cost of energy down to being almost negligible, where we don't really even think about it. Kind of like, you know, you don't think about, we don't pay anything for the oxygen that we breathe. Um, but even water, we kind of take for granted that, you know, it's not a big portion of our utility bill for most people. Um, and we're not very efficient with it because it's so abundant. Um, energy is going to be the same way. I think we'll have energy production embedded in, you know, everywhere. It'll be ubiquitous. Um, we'll have energy very efficiently utilized as well, so we won't need it as, need energy as much um, in, in some sense. And I think a lot of that's going to be driven by advancements in materials for batteries and advancements for energy production, new ways of deploying solar, lower-cost solar, um, and in agriculture, um, ways of utilizing the sunlight directly without having to power those lamps but still maintain that control you know, to game the evolution effectively of crops to produce you know, all this food for the, um, you know, the billions of people, the 10 billion people that are going to be on this planet in 2050. Um, so I think materials, and in particular nanomaterials, are going to be everywhere. Um, they're already almost, that, it's almost like that, and that's going to lead to the next um, industrial revolution, ultimately on the back of free energy or very low-cost energy. And now for something completely different. Here's David Yang, CEO of YIVA, Y-V-A, an AI-based human resources tool, whom we spoke with in October of 2019. I clearly see that uh, small companies below uh, 200 employees, below 500 employees, actually will almost will not have classic HR uh, uh, in them because there will be uh, people analytics technologies which will actually know much, much more than a single uh, HR uh, uh, professional today because they will have millions of cases of different uh, changes in development. So these technologies will really, really help small companies to provide extremely high level of personal approach to each, each employee to leverage all creativity and efficiency from each person um, and this is we see clearly what uh, what is happening and uh, uh, like in medic medicine the same so you know, today in many cases the diagnosis from uh, made by AI is proven high, highest accurate more accurate than uh, human doctor decision it will not eliminate personal empathy so we still will have people but they will have different roles hr classic hr will move towards business they will have already now actually they have this uh, uh hr partner partner role so they will move more to business but technical you know involvement uh, uh, of uh, people will be led to uh, to technologies. Jumping around chronologically, in the fall of 2020, 
we did a mini-series on startup strategy. And in November of that year, we spoke with Guy Levy-Urista, who at the time was the chief strategy officer for SciSense, a business analytics or BI firm. I, I will tell you, and, and this is actually, and that's a vision I've been pitching internally for a few years now, uh, and it's way too radical for, for us to really capitalize on it. Uh, but I'll say the following, there will not be BI analytics in 15 years. There will not be BI. What we're moving into is something else completely. Uh, we're moving into a what I call, it, it's a new boss, a new business operating systems and standards. Uh, where it, it really, it's about, let's take a step back and figure out why people open businesses, right? What is the real goal or goal of a company or a business? It is about providing products or services in exchange, getting money, make basically profit, generating profit for shareholders. Something very basic, right? The devil's in the details. Now, BI analytics is about how do you take the, the data in your business and, and convert that to insights, and then make decisions based on those insights, and then convert those decisions into actions, and then measure the effectiveness those actions and, and close the loop, right? You measure with data, new insights, new decisions, new actions, and, and you continuously optimize and continuously improve if you're logical to a degree. And if you have enough data, et cetera, et cetera. AI, machine learning, and what we've seen recently, the rise of the RPA, the uh, companies like UiPath, um, the, uh, with, with robots and robotic uh, process automation, what you have is a situation where effectively what you'll have is, is a system, an AI machine learning system to build and run businesses. The, the system would connect the data, would trigger the sales cycle, would trigger marketing, would build the products, would, would effectively begin to do much more of what we humans do today. It's a bit like level five self-driving cars uh, where Eventually, you'll sit in the car, you tell the car where you want to go, and the car will take you there without you really intervening. So the, the only decision that would be required from you effectively is, all right, I want to go visit Napa Valley now, and then it will, will take you there as, an, you know, as a self-driving car. We're headed in that direction, and, and data will be at the heart of it. What you'll see is the big convergence of data and automation processes to be able to provide um the humans running businesses with the day-to-day -day, uh data collection data manipulation insight generation decision recommendation decision actions and then actioning and then collecting the data on those actions and closing the loop again so as a manager as a, the leader of the company you will tell the the system uh, here's the core technology, and you may you still need people to develop new stuff that didn't have that wasn't there before. But then on top of that, what you have is the ability to launch and run a business very, very quickly. VR analytics is going away. We're looking at the emergence of a new boss. Well, Guy mentioned level five automation in driverless cars. So we thought it only fitting to follow that up with the future view of Alex Rodriguez our most recent guest, we spoke in November of 2021, and the CEO of Embark, an autonomous trucking company. I would say that almost everything 
in robotics and AI is going to get more interesting uh, over the next 20 years for sure, right? I think um, as a, uh, I would say robotics is my my first passion in life and has been, you know, basically since I was old enough to have a specific opinion about what my passion was. Um, I think self-driving is where you have to be today. And the reason is because the market size is so high and the problem is adequately structured. And those two things together make it the first realistic place that you can take robots out of a lab or out of a factory and put them into people's everyday lives. Um, but note I did say first. Um, I think that this is really um, the you know, early internet moment for robotics. We are talking about literally one application. And this is something that very clearly has many applications. Um, and so I think it's, it's going to be super, super interesting. And I'll take um, maybe the, the, the one story I will tell about sort of looking 20 years in the future. Um, I, won't, I won't make too many speculations, but I think there's one thing that I'm pretty darn certain about, which is that when you have an 11-year-old 20 years from now and you're showing them pictures from today, one of the first questions they will ask is, what is going on with those cars and why are there people sitting up front with their hands on a wheel? And, and then I assume the response is, well, you know, people used to drive cars, right? Uh, and then the 11-year-old asks, well, wasn't that dangerous? And the answer is yes, it was extremely dangerous. It was one of the most dangerous things anyone ever did, but we didn't have an alternative. Um, and I always think it's an interesting uh, perspective to think through. Today, it feels so obvious that we drive our own vehicles. But as soon as it isn't required anymore, um, the, the the next generation of kids are going to ask, what in the world were you thinking? Didn't you know smoking was bad for you? Uh <laughs> we hope you enjoyed this collection and that it gave you some food for thought. If you missed any of these episodes, we encourage you to go back and give them a listen. Of course, there are many great future views that we left out of this compilation, including ones on AI, advanced manufacturing, clean energy, ag tech, startup strategy, impact investing, and more. So go back over the catalog and check those episodes out too. Thanks so much for being an M4 Edge listener. As we hinted at in our last episode, we are busy figuring out the next iteration of our show. We're doing some tinkering with our framework of who we interview and why. We think you'll love it, and we hope that others will too. So stay tuned and stay curious.